Hello and welcome. I'm Adrian Monk at the World Economic Forum. Each week, I put together a collection of the best pieces that we've published on our agenda blog and send it out as a regular email. In that email, I also have a section called On Our Radar, scanning the global horizon for interesting articles that provide a little bit of insight into some of the issues and challenges we focus on here at the World Economic Forum. This weekly audio program will look at what's on our radar. And today, Friday, November the 11th, what's on everyone's radar is the election of Donald Trump as the 45th president of the United States. Here's something written about the election. The election may mark one of the great calamities of American history, when the moral indignation and political despair of citizens could find no other means of expression than that of vengeful groups whose members so doubted the truth of their own morality they had to insist they were a majority. Here's another writer on the same candidate. He would continue to wreck the economy, blunder into a war, and make the White House a thing of mock amongst the nations. Perhaps the language tells you something. Those were not commentaries written about the current U.S. presidential election. They were written, in fact, about the coming to power of one of America's best-loved political leaders of recent years, Ronald Reagan. And perhaps that look back into the archives tells us something about the recent election in the United States. Political leadership is a complicated thing. In a democracy, politicians say one thing to get a nomination, one thing to convince a wider coalition of voters to elect them, and then yet another thing when they come into office. Is this because politicians are naturally untrustworthy? No, it's because they have to address different audiences. You and I know that we don't say the same thing in front of our family that we say in front of co-workers. We don't say the same thing in front of co-workers that we say in front of friends, and we don't say the same thing in front of friends that we say in front of strangers. Politicians face all of these audiences all of the time. They have to find a way, if not to sound consistent, at least to sound as if they're people that you might want to put your trust or your vote in. But when it comes to holding office, the office very often shapes the person and not the other way around. Not only do political leaders face an issue of who they're speaking to, they also face an issue of expectation about their leadership. What does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to be powerful? Here's someone who's held a job that some people would describe as the most powerful office on earth, speaking about what it really means. What I didn't fully appreciate, and nobody can appreciate till they're in that position, is how decentralized power is in this system. When you're in the seat and you're seeing the housing market collapse, you're seeing unemployment skyrocketing, and you have a sense of what the right thing to do is, then you realize, okay, not only do I have to persuade my own party, not only do I have to prevent the other party from blocking what the right thing to do is, but now I can anticipate this lawsuit, this lobbying taking place, this federal agency that technically is independent, so I can't tell them what to do. I've got the Federal Reserve, and I'm hoping they do the right thing, by the way. Since the economy is now global, I've got to make sure the Europeans, the Asians, the Chinese, everybody is on board. A lot of the work is not just identifying the right policy, but now constantly building these ever-shifting coalitions to be able to actually implement and execute and get it done. That is what power is like. It doesn't sound so powerful when you're actually sitting in the chair. Most of us will never have that experience, but we all have to take decisions in our lives. We all know what it's like to be faced with decisions on important issues like health, family, finance. Taking those decisions doesn't change when you sit in the Oval Office. That was President Barack Obama speaking to a journalist a few months ago before the election campaign was underway. 
the way he puts it, it doesn't sound so powerful. And perhaps all of us can recognize that when we think we're in positions of power to take decisions, be it about health, family, finance, decisions about our own careers and lives, it doesn't necessarily feel like we're giving orders or that we're in the driving seat. There are other forces acting on us, other things to consider, other people to consider. So all of these things affect what it means to be a leader. The drama of leadership, the theater of leadership, the protocols that make it different when someone walks down a red carpet or receiving line, these are the trappings of office. They're not what happens when decisions need to be taken. And I think it's that real world of decision-making that's so illuminating and so important to look forward to when we wonder what's coming next in the world. Certainly, it's one of the things we think about at the World Economic Forum, and one of the things we think about when we engage with leaders. What's the real room leaders have for maneuver? What's their real ability to affect change? What are the constraints on their power, and what are the things they have to tell people? All of these things affect how leaders interact with one another, how they interact with the people who follow them, how they interact with the people they're responsible for. Perhaps one of the things we expect most from leadership in politics is something we're not used to in our personal lives. It's antagonism. We want leaders who stand up and not accept friendship, not accept handshakes from people that we don't think they should be friends with. Articulating that anger and articulating our own feelings is something leaders have to learn to channel. But underneath that, they also have to affect government and policy. These are the aspects of leadership that aren't glamorous. So when we think about what it means to lead, we need also to think about what are the forces shaping it? What are the forces shaping us? The last thing on my radar this week is a little self-serving. It's from a report we wrote in 2011. It's not famous. It says this, Globalization has generated sustained economic growth for a generation. It's shrunk and reshaped the world, making it far more interconnected and interdependent. But the benefits of globalization seem unevenly spread. A minority is seen to have harvested a disproportionate amount of the fruits. Although growth is rebalancing economic power between countries, there's evidence that economic disparity within countries is growing. Issues of economic disparity and equity at national and international levels are becoming increasingly important. Politically, there are signs of resurgent nationalism and populism, as well as social fragmentation. There's also a growing divergence of opinion between countries on how to promote sustainable, inclusive growth. Now, that might sound like the language of international organizations. It might sound a little bit bland. It's basically saying people are fed up with economic inequality, with not seeing the benefits of global trade, with not seeing their incomes rising and their children's opportunities expanding. They want to belong to something. They're turning to nationalism. They're turning to identity. We've seen nationalist governments take power around the world. But the problems those leaders face don't go away when they walk into power. Going back to the beginning of this podcast, Ronald Reagan came to power in 1980 with very low expectations from certain quarters, with a lot of people hoping he'd wreak the kind of changes that would make America great again. He certainly changed America. His presidency saw arms limitation treaties, progress on a number of different fronts that couldn't perhaps have been expected when he first took the oath of office. But perhaps they too weren't the things he expected to achieve when he walked into the White House. And perhaps when we look at the hopes for political leaders and we look at our low expectations or our high expectations for what they might achieve, we should also look at the world in which they operate. And we should also perhaps cut them some slack and be willing ourselves to address some of the policy issues and some of the difficult, complex and messy things that they'll have to deal with. I'm Adrian Monk, and this has been On Our Radar.